We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Laker fans? Uh, it took us a couple days to record this because... Uh, we just weren't in a place to be able to have this conversation publicly. Um, Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, and seven others passed in a helicopter crash on Sunday, as as all of you already know. And we're just going to record this podcast to just get through it. It's going to meander probably all over the place. Um, we will not edit it, edit it nearly as... Uh, as heavily as we normally do to tighten it up. Don't know how long it's going to be, but we're just going to try to get through it. And I hope in our discussion, you are able to take some solace or, or something from it that, uh, that helps you cope with, with the loss as well. Um, Darius, uh, you know, we've had a couple of days on it. How you doing? What's on your mind? Just, uh, just what, what what are your thoughts a couple of days a- after the tragedy? I mean, I'm holding up, I guess. You know, um, you and I have spoken some offline. Um, Sunday was hard in ways that um, it was just yeah. shocking, Yeah, I would say. It was... Um, I don't mean to go off the rails already, right, in terms of these tangents, but um, I wrote this at Forum Blue and Gold that um, Kobe was sort of this ultimate myth maker, mm-hmm. right? And he was, the stories around him were legendary, right? Like, um, so all these secondhand and thirdhand stories about um, crazy workouts and being into gym and all hours, right? And, and then we even saw media of some of this stuff. There's that famous picture of him <clears throat> um, at at the Lakers arena um, in pajama pants <laughs> and a yeah. cast. It's like his second or third right? year, I think it was. Yeah. 
and 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 he's just shooting left-handed Left jumpers mm-hmm. with yep, yep. yeah with this overhand with this like oversized practice jersey on um he looked like a college student mm-hmm. right like that's how you and i would have been at like 20 years old that's how old um, he was yeah if like if we had access to mm-hmm. some gym and basketball was our lives and we had like broken a hand or mm-hmm. something right and so there were these there were all these stories around Kobe and nothing seemed unbelievable mm-hmm. with him Right, there, there, there was no yeah, tall you call, tale. Call them like Paul Bunyan, that you could tell from, from Gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, there was just no tall tale around him that that seemed unbelievable. And so, look, man, like this dude. Yeah, we saw this dude play with a torn up shoulder, shooting left handed. We we saw this dude sink two free throws on a ruptured Achilles. Um, We saw this dude play damn near an entire game with a broken kneecap that he didn't even know was broken, right? This dude was invincible. He was never going to die. The idea of Kobe Bryant being able to die is something that had never occurred to me. He, like, there are those commercials, right? And, like, it's been, like, this offseason, you saw them with, like, Kawhi and he's the Terminator (laughs) and all of that. that that yeah. was Kobe, right? He was a real life terminator. Um, it's one of the things that inspired awe in his fans. It's the one thing that inspired hatred and fear in and fear in the teams and the fans of other teams. Um, and so he was never going to die. It was unbelievable. Um, nothing was unbelievable, but what it was unbelievable when I got some random text message from a good friend of mine from, from college and, and saying, is this news about Kobe real? And, and I had been offline all morning. I hadn't heard or read anything. I jumped on Twitter and started to scroll and I honestly didn't see anything. I even checked like my little news breakers list that mm-hmm. I have on Twitter. Like, oh, if something happened with Kobe, there'd surely be a tweet from from Woj or from sure. Shams. I checked my Lakers beat writers list, right? McMenamin would surely have something. Um, right. One of Ramona, one of these people would would have some sort of update about Kobe Bryant. And then I scrolled and scrolled and scrolled, and then there it is. Um, a retweet of a TMZ report and i just thought this 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 yeah. cannot be true it's that denial right Th- yeah. this right this you know so i no, don't want to this is what this pod's for man much. is to ramble and um, to like feel your feelings and like there are millions you know there are millions of people going through like there's your 42 41 41. 41. Sorry, I don't need you anymore. <laughs> don't put me at James Worthy yet. I'm still That's Elvin right. Campbell got, we, with the small you, hands. In a couple weeks, you turn 42. Yeah, yeah. Little while, little while. Don't be giving away my birthday. <laughs> I don't need anybody jumping in my mentions. Well, that, that's my bad. I don't think that part's getting edited out. But uh, So you're no, 41, sure. about to turn 42. I'm, I'm 39. So Kobe was uh, – when Kobe entered the league, I was 15 years old. And like that is – being a – 
being a 15 year old at that age and being a diehard Laker fan is different than as an adult because you just don't have nearly as many responsibilities. And so the degree to which you can immerse yourself in it and, and have that be yeah. your world is just different. And so that would have made you 17 when Co- Kobe and I were born yeah. in the same year, class yeah. of 96. Yeah. Um, I wrote this, but he, he was, he shared a birthday with my brother who was three and a half years old, well, well, well older than me. Um, I always felt yeah. this kinship. We grew up with, with him, man. Him. Like, and we grew up with him, not in yeah. a, like, as kids, but that whole, like, oh shit, I'm going to be a young adult now. I'm going to be, I'm supposed to be a grown up. And what does that mean? And we, like, people our age did that alongside him while he was doing it. Yeah. The steps of his lives mirrored. Yeah, our lives, yeah. right? And so when I'm picking out a tux to go to prom, I see a scroll or a news thing from on Sports Center that Kobe's taking brandy, uh-huh, uh-huh. Prom, right? <laughs> like so, there's there are just these, and I said this at the site, but the the overlap of our lives and the timing in which he came into our lives meant that or means that there will never be another professional basketball player like an athlete ever right who who sort of we who we appreciate in the same way that we appreciate this specific player we can't yeah right and and I say I've said this a bunch in all of those like greatest of all time debates that I don't really like to jump into or who's the greatest Laker or none of that stuff really ever matters or resonates with me. I said this online once and I think that you replied to me that I wish I could pin this tweet to my timeline, but like Kobe brought me so much joy as a fan, he was so damn good for my mm-hmm. team, right? The team that I loved, the team that I lived and mm-hmm. died for. And he was so good for them that I could give a rat's ass about what anyone else thinks about right. this dude. That's right. I was there. He meant something to me. Like, yeah. I saw, like, I, I saw it. This impacted me and my life. And so, have your opinions don't don't have your opinions although we know Kobe Bryant the basketball player was not a person who people were allowed to not have mm-hmm. opinions about and that's a part of his legacy as well i think that i think anthony irwin right said this online one time that um kobe's legacy is that people will never talking about him mm-hmm. talking about him Mm-hmm. Right? Like that you were not allowed, he did not allow you to not have thoughts about him. Positive, negative, both at the same damn time. Even for a lot of Lakers fans, it was like that. I've run a Lakers I've I have run a Lakers site and been a part of a Lakers site for over a decade now. And and this is when internet commenting was really the thing at like team blog sites and things like that. And there were debates and fights in the comment section among Lakers fans 
about um like I love what he's doing, I hate what he's doing, right? Like he inspired that in people because he had this sense and aura about him of being if not the most important than one of the two or three most important figures in the entire well, here's the thing. I, I want to jump in there. Like we, there's those who saying like comparison is the thief of joy. Um, Nick Wright was talking about this the other day. Uh, you know, Nick Wright, I think on Fox sports, um, and he's a big LeBron guy and always has been. And he made a comment along the lines of like, I spent so much time like n- talking about what Kobe wasn't compared to Michael Jordan or what he wasn't compared to LeBron James that I did not appreciate fully what he was. And that's, that is like when, when, like framing him amongst like he's one of the legends he's part of the story of the NBA his very last tweet was to LeBron congratulating him for passing him for number 3 on the all-time scoring list but also for like encouraging him to push the game forward Kobe yeah and advance advance the, the game and that's what LeBron's done that's what guys like yeah. Steph have done that's the continual story of the NBA the the wails of grief from every corner of the basketball world is what uh, a testament to, you know, we talk about the myth making of Kobe and the storytelling. Yeah. And it's no coincidence that he the first thing he did when he stopped playing basketball was tell stories. And so he he participated in his own myth making. But everybody's got a story about this dude. In the last couple of days, yes. everybody and people like, did you see Diana Taurasi? Like Taurasi, yes. she was the female Kobe. Like they were cut from the exact same cloth and she loved him. And hearing her, hearing her talk and just everybody's stories about like not all of it, like the myth making was just the spillage over from the stuff that happened behind the scenes. If it was all for the cameras, if it was all for that, everybody wouldn't have these stories. Everyone wouldn't be so rattled. So many of the touching stories that I've read have or have heard or seen online or listened to on podcasts or read in writing have had almost nothing to do with his basketball success. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do with the championships or the MVP award or the, you know, dozen and a half all-star game appearances or the all-star game MVPs. It was nothing about that. Um, Ramona Shelburne has been on a lot of ESPN podcasts lately. And one of the stories that she's repeated a bunch of times was how after Kobe retired, because she wrote that really long profile on him in his last season, right? That dropped basically a little bit after his final game. And Ramona's recently had a baby, I think, in the last like year and a half or so. And she tells this story about Kobe texting her about, you know, how her pregnancy is going and and 
let her let him know when she goes into labor and then this story about how apparently Ramona explains that she had this long and difficult labor and that Kobe had texted her like 30 hours in and she's sort of like responding like oh it's still going and and he's like hang in there and giving her encouragement there's this story that I saw and, and I just saw this online before we started to re like record the pod and, and it made me want to tell you hey it's off <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> we're uh -huh. like we're not doing it okay like uh, give me give me 30 uh, more I'm, minutes I'm, I'm or something try at some point to make you cry during this and, uh and, and it was that whole like you see girl yeah, dad yeah, man. trending on twitter and it was that story of that espn reporter who was talking about how she saw kobe um at some espn event um, l duncan yeah mm -hmm. right and that he had started to talk to her about her being pregnant because she said that she was like eight months and really big. And he started to mm -hmm. talk to her about what she's having. And she said that she's having a girl. And this story about Kobe saying about, you know, my oldest is really good at basketball. And my youngest, when he had only had three, him and Vanessa had only had three children to that point. The youngest was still a toddler. But that um, Gigi had it. Mm -hmm. But my middle one, she has it, you know, yeah. and yeah. she's so yeah. much better than me when, when I was <sighs> her age. And, and so stories like that, right, are so many people have come out of the woodwork with these truly personal anecdotes about mm. what he meant to them in ways that had nothing to do with basketball or were only basketball adjacent, right? And, right, and, right. It was and, about people. And it was about people. And it was about checking on people when they were injured. It was about... Yeah. Um, yeah. How many people have said, have gone out and said, like, when I did this, when I ruptured my Achilles or went through this horrible injury, Kobe was the first person, like Hayward and, and Paul George and just like a bunch of people have said that. People are like, how did he even get, get my number? Right, like, like Ramona <laughs> right, tells right. tells these stories about how right. he's cold calling people, right, or cold texting them, like, "Hey, it's Kobe," and people are like, "I yeah, don't." Yeah, haha, very funny. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> no, and I was gonna save this for later in the pod, but I'm gonna do do it now because you know you're not broken up enough when I'm saying this, Zach. And someone tweet tweeted this to you, but I'm going to share it to all of the listeners because it's not like everyone follows you and this person, right? But sure. Zach Lowe told this story on his podcast with Rachel Nichols and when Ramona. And Zach tells a story about how he got this random text message at like six in the morning Eastern time, right? Mm -hmm. So it's three in the morning Pacific sure. time. And it's some random, he said, 949 number. Right. And he's like, hey, it's Kobe. Call me. And Zach's like, whatever. Right. This isn't Kobe. Like, come on, man. So he said, the first thing I did was I checked in with Ramona. I'm like, hey, Ramona, I got this text, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, no, that's him. And, and then Zach goes on to explain, you know, like I hadn't been as kind to Kobe recently in columns and podcasts. This was like his last few years in the league. And or his last couple of years in the league when you and I both know that Kobe was n no longer Co Kobe Bryant. You and I have right. talked about that at length, that um, the Achilles changed him. 
forever. Yeah. Right. Of course. And 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 so Zach had he admittedly on the pod had said, you know, I hadn't been as kind of him. Am I about to get reamed out by Kobe Bryant? Right. And so he calls him and Kobe says, hey, you know, like I really basically telling him he really appreciates the work that he's been doing and really valued what he was bringing to the table in terms of like breaking down the game and X's and O's and his approach to analyzing basketball as a media person and that we need more of that, not mm -hmm. less of that. And Zach goes on mm -hmm. and tells a great story about him and Kobe. You should listen to the podcast. It's, it's, it's great in its own way. It's honest in a lot of ways, in ways that I think that Kobe would appreciate in life or in death. Right. So it's not yeah. all positive. It's not this glowing portrait of him as a person or even as as a player. And that's fine. That's fine by me. What I wanted to say to you is, and I take this to heart as well from the way that you and I have sort of been simpatico in how we've tried to look at the game and and the things that we like to do in terms of looking at the Lakers and looking at the NBA and looking at basketball is that. I know you never met Kobe or had interactions with him that were mean, meaningful. He would have appreciated the work that you do. And, and, and you too. And th the first person I thought of when Zach was telling that story was you. And it was this idea of the thing that we're trying to do in terms of think about the game and write about the game and you breaking down the game through video and now at The Athletic with, well, with, with the written word, the legacy that Kobe leaves behind isn't of maniacal work ethic or championship rings or any of that other stuff. It's about yeah. people like you and me who are just random dudes, man. I, like you laugh at me when I tell tell you this about myself that I've never looked at myself as some sort of like influencer or someone who has authority on things. I'm Rip. some random dude who yeah, grew up too. loving the game of basketball. You and mm -hmm. I have similar origin stories from Magic Johnson and Chick Hearn, right? Mm -hmm. Like Chick narrating the maybe one of the most genius basketball players we ever saw out on the basketball court. And that cemented our love of the game at a very early stage in, in both of our lives. But when we got to teenage years and then through a young, through young adulthood and then into full on grown man adulthood, it was Kobe Bryant who carried that torch for us as, as the embodiment of, okay, this dude gets it. His, his legacy is inspiration yeah. more than anything else. And they played, they replayed his final game uh, against Utah where he scored 60 points and led the Lakers to a comeback. And one of the things that struck me were seeing all of the people in the crowd from Jay-Z to Norm Pattis, who's a media giant and mogul. Everybody knows him as the rolled up newspaper guy yeah. who's always apl applying, has been for years at Laker games, right by the Lakers bench. He's the, um, the guy who runs Clear Channel Communications, is media giant. Um, Snoop, uh, Kanye was there. Jack, of course, Jack Nicholson. These are all people who are legends, absolute legends, the very top of their 
respective fields, and he had them in awe. They were acting like little kids. And the, the, the command, it was like a, it was a star performing for stars. What strikes me is the duality of his ability to do that, but also to inspire the random dudes like you and me, yeah. right? And the Lakers are, Kobe Bryant could only happen on the Lakers, uh, we're the only fan base, I think, in the NBA that is equipped to handle him and to have helped his star burn his bright. I also think we're the only fan base that's equipped to get over the law. Get over is the wrong word. Is to to move to move on, um, not to move past, because this will be a pain that we'll always carry with us. But and we'll talk about this in a bit. But I, I, the, the inspiration. To like the Lakers are a truly international team. Yeah. And Los Angeles is a truly international city. Um, I, I saw someone's tweet yesterday, forgive me, I don't have it pulled up, but talking about how Kobe was something, she was speaking as a first generation immigrant to this country, of which there are a lot of first and second generation immigrants in Los Angeles specifically, um, that he was somebody that could bring families together, right? Like that, that first generation born here could, they had something about America to talk about with their parents. And it was something that made them feel like they were part of America. That's part of an immigrant story, right? Is like, I don't belong here. That feeling of that and the way that the world can make you feel that way. Um, he was something that brought all of these different communities together and that inspired and that like, and he failed. His failures were part of the inspiration, right? Yeah. Like, the will always the, his rookie year will always be defined by the three air balls in game five as an 18 year old. I will remember how he got there. The Lakers were not a team like the New York, the New Orleans Pelicans this year with Zion or when LeBron went to Cleveland. It was also a league where like he was the first guard to ever come into the league from preps to pros. And these are all three out two in offenses. The pain is clogged grown men bashing up against each other. Cause we didn't know about how modern spacing worked yet. And he came in and competed with them and he had Eddie Jones in front of him. Uh, Rick Fox, I think came the next year. Did he come the year Shaq did or was it the next year? I think it was the next year. Yeah. Anyway, he had Eddie Jones in front of him who was beloved in his own right. Yeah. Um, Kobe, as a kid, an 18-year-old worked his way up to the point where in the biggest moments of that series, he took control and took command. He didn't succeed. He missed those shots. Right. And he missed them in spectacular fashion. All three air balls, right? But that right there and then moving on from that to grow in the next year and then the following year after that, that's that's Kobe's – It's it's this – it's this combination of will and determination, looking for every advantage that you can find, putting in time that no one else is willing to put in. And the 
ultimate self-confidence, which honestly, for Joes like you and me, bro, LFR wouldn't exist without Kobe. I would, it would seem so far-fetched, the idea that I could do something like this, that I could make a living doing this without that MFR showing me sure. that this, this is how you go after it and you block out the noise and you block out the self-doubt and you pursue it. And if you fail, you keep going. Um, I, I, I'm rambling at, at this point, but no, no that, I, 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 I think the point that you bring up about failure is is one of the key ideas around Kobe that or even in death so I wrote this today for Silver Screen Screen and Roll um, about sort of grieving and how people grieve and um, one of the things that I wrote is that you talk about things and you talk about everything and not just the good things, right? So Mm -hmm. we just spent a long time talking about all of these sort of inspirational things and positive things about Kobe. Um, But the, the way this sort of mirrors sports fandom, it was interesting to me when I was writing it down because um, the failures and the bad times that you have with loved ones who have passed make the good times so much better, right? And to me, those failures that Kobe had throughout his professional career, the air balls, the the feuding with Shaq, the the finals against the Pistons, um, the I'm not going to shoot game against the Mm -hmm. Suns, the trade me to I'll play, I'd rather play on Pluto rather, ship his ass out <laughs> Even though that's not that's not a failure on his part no, no but, but not but, all of it was but, good right? but you yeah. know like the idea of that not everything is positive that right. not everything is going to be perfect all of the time that life is not bunnies and rainbows right all all of the time and how you bounce back from those things and if you're able to turn those things that were negatives into drivers for you to be able to then turn them into positives, those are the things that make just a wonderful sports story. And Kobe had that. And one of the things that I have found in grieving is that by talking about how, you know, oh, I remember that argument I had with my brother or i remember Mm. how we had those times where we didn't see eye to eye i remember those times where i said things that i should not have said right yeah and and then realizing that that all through that you still stick together that you still figure a way to work it out and then on the and then when you come out the other side of that you still have that strong bond and then the stories turn back to the recovery out of that. Those are those positive moments that mean even more in the aftermath of a tragedy like this. And, and, and to me, one of the reasons why Kobe is as beloved as he is, is because so many people had 
those experiences with him. They rode those roller coasters with him over the course of a 20-year career with the same franchise where all of the ups and downs were in the brightest media market under the most scrutiny in terms of talking heads and and there was maybe never a more polarizing nba player than kobe bryant and and for the fans of the lakers or even fans of just kobe bryant which there were plenty of those right in the same mm-hmm. way that we see lots of lebron fans now sure. mm-hmm. right with their who are not lakers fans they are lebron fans um mm-hmm. so in the same way Kobe had those types of fans through all those ups and downs. He gave us so much joy in the end. And he capped it off with that 60 point game that you mentioned earlier as like the ultimate capstone for a career where he basically said, you know what? I'm not going out any other way than what you would (laughs) expect from Kobe, from Kobe being Bryant. And he and, emptied that clip, man. And he dropped the mic at the end. And that was both mm. that was both figurative and literal, right? Like Bro, I, th- that that game, like there was a serenity to Kobe after he announced his retirement yeah. that all the sneering was gone. The and the team was really bad. Um, but he kind of like enjoyed and took it in that is only possible when you feel the satisfaction of having given something, everything that you have. Yeah. That is something that is my white whale in life where I feel like I've come close sometimes, but I've never given anything, everything that I have. And maybe I shouldn't, maybe that's not healthy. I don't know. But that for me, Kobe represented. And again, the more you hear about it, with stories from other people in those personal moments when cameras were not around, it it gives it an authenticity to it. It's just not possible when the cameras are rolling, but Kobe represented an ideal that may be unattainable, but for those like regular Joe's like you and I, that was like, I can I can try, at least I can try to do that. I can try to, even if I never get there, right? Like I can, that, that him tearing his Achilles and shooting those free throws and just everything about him, the, the single mindedness of his pursuit, I would not, I wouldn't be me without Kobe. Like he's probably the most influential person in my life outside of my family yeah and uh i uh on a selfish level i feel you know i i really would have loved to see what the next 40 50 years held for him um you know gg gg makes me furious like she never got to do a lot like at least kobe got to live a, a long chapter of his life and leave his mark on the world. She had, she had a lot. She had it, like you said. Yeah. He said, and he knew that better than anybody. Uh, and it's just so deeply unfair that, you know, I get into thoughts about God and thoughts about yeah. the world and just like, why is this place so fucked up? And yeah, it was. It's <sighs> one of the things that um, lasts with me 
So, um, and I wrote a bit, I, I wrote about this at Silver Screen and Roll. And so like, I hate to keep referencing things that I've written, but read the things that I write. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I've, I've seen people die. People who were not supposed to die. Yeah. You know, um, and I remember, um, my brother died just in 2018. He was, like I said, three and a half years older than me. Um, he, he had literally just turned 44. Um, and he had been diagnosed with stage four cancer just 18 months prior to that. And I remember having a conversation with my mom and one of the first things that she told me is, especially because he had been diagnosed just in the February after my dad had passed in August, right? So it had just been August. It, my brother's birthday had just passed and my dad died. And, yeah. and then in February of that next year, my brother's diagnosed with cancer. And my mom was just heartbroken. She was devastated. Um because it was a death sentence for my brother. We all knew that he, you know, at stage four, surgery was not an option for him. It had spread to his liver and to his bones. It was in his shoulder and his hip. And it was, it was just not good. And my mom just kept telling me, you know, it's, it's not fair. It's, yeah, it's not fair. And she said it with this tone and firmness that is like sort of like that guttural response, right? Of, yeah. of like, Jesus, like, what are you doing to me? And she told me one time that, you know, like, I question my faith yeah. when things like this happen. And then I talked to my brother. And here's my brother. He's got, he's got like a five-year-old daughter. You know, he's got stepchildren who he's helped raise for a long time with his, with his wife, my sister-in-law. And unprompted, he told me, you know, I don't look at this as like fair or unfair. There's no fair or unfair. This is what it is for me. And this has happened to me. And all I can do is fight. And all I can do is give my best. And, and that idea has stuck with me. It's just stuck with me. And in a way, I bring this back to Kobe in a weird way, because there's just a perseverance that I feel like he had in his life. There was, you talked about that sort of single-minded focusness or focus, focusness is not a word, too bad we're not editing this pod. Um, <laughs> he had this single-minded focus that that worked in tandem with his ability to compartmentalize in a mm -hmm. way that mm -hmm. really, I think, drove him each step of the way to sort of get to his goal. And sometimes he didn't get there, right? Like, right. He, That's so, not the point, though. It's not. It It is... Kobe talked a lot about process and, mm -hmm. and, you know, before, before Sam Hinkie made it, you know, uh, like you, a you fun know, buzzword. He, 
Uh, he used to always talk about execution too. Like yeah. this was in relation to basketball, but that is very much how his mind thought. Like execution implies a plan. Yeah. It implies process. It implies some forethought in which, okay, this is what we're going to do. Now we have to execute that. It's not merely an in the moment during those 48 minutes in which you, like the execution begins long before that. This is what, and so I'm on a tangent again now. This is what made Kobe, I think, one of the reasons why fans loved him, because he was both a technical genius in terms of a tactician as a basketball player. All the fundamentals, he had them. And then on the court, he was one of the best improvisers we ever saw. And he played with a showmanship and a flair and in a, and and this innate creativity on the court where at least once a game you looked at the person next to you and said did this dude just try that like what like what did he just do there's and what like one of the only other times or one of the only other people like in his own way as a scorer as a scorer kobe did for me what magic johnson did for me as a passer so go watch any like Magic Johnson highlight reel as as a passer, and there are things that he's doing out there that don't seem to make sense. Like, where did this come from? How is that even possible? And then flip that into the scoring gene, and Kobe had that right, right. and. And, and 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 so he bridged these two ideas of of I can be both Tim Duncan and I can be you know like Super Saiyan Dion Waiters right sure. right and sure. and I can bridge these two things together right. to form this super soldier of. A player, right? He's like, I don't know if you're a Star Trek person, but he's like, if Captain Kirk and the Borg like had a child in the freaking <laughs> flare, like I know enough about Star Trek like, to, to get that. Like yes, in the fly chamber, right? Like, oh, these things went through the chamber of the fly at the same time, and then here it's Kobe Bryant, right? Like, I am resistance is futile, but here, let me do a pirouette and shoot it and shoot a, fire a pass off to myself off of the backboard first. Right. So it's it's about honoring your talent. And this is something that can be a lesson taken for all of us is it is it's easy when you're good at something to give 60 percent effort and still be better than most at that. If you have a natural talent at something, it there are factors that play against the maximization of your work ethic and the technique that you apply to it. Right. Um Kobe flipped that on his head and the it was I'm talented at this and therefore I have a responsibility yeah. to myself if nobody else to myself to get the most out of the natural talent that I have by learning the techniques by picking like he was a historian of the game he talked about in uh you know watching that 
that game last night where they replayed his final game talking about how he was a diehard Laker fan growing up and he knew the names and the history of like every player. And this was true. There, there are plenty of stories about this of Kobe, like knowing happy Hairston and guys like that, you know, Elmore Smith guys from the late mid to late seventies and just their contributions to the Lakers and, and all of that. And he, he was obsessed with it in a way that, uh, he he honored his talent by working at every aspect of it. And that's the other thing, too, is that there was no part of basketball that was foreign to Kobe that he did not work on. He was obviously better at some things than others, but the the kind of that combination of the Borg and Captain Kirk that you're talking about, that really hits me in that way, right? Is that you've got this like naturally charismatic, talented guy like Captain Kirk and these guys who are all about the process. And it, there's a selflessness, like collective mentality. I don't know much about Star Trek, so I'm, I'm winging it here. But, but like the idea that like you are all about, like you will have no self. Yeah. All that matters is what you do what you spend your time on. And so to have both of those in the same person and to have that like at the same age as us yeah. around that, um, which isn't to say that other people of other ages don't benefit from that. But I didn't, I didn't have an older brother like, and yeah. he was mine, you know, he was, I remember being a teenager being saying my dad, like, how do I get motivated? How do I like, I don't even know what I want to do with my life. Yeah. Like how do I work hard at something when I don't even know what that, what I want it to be. And the, the first thing I found that did that for me was music. And as soon as I found it, I dove into it because I saw, I had a role model. I had somebody to show me how to do it. And I'll, I'll, I'll forever be grateful for that. Um, I'll, and I'll carry that with me for the rest of my life. Now, one of the things that I heard someone else say, and I saw this on from Andy Glockner, I think on on Twitter, and if it wasn't him, I'm I guess he gets the credit anyway. Is Kobe, and, and this speaks to that idea of honoring your your talent. Is Kobe probably got as close he he probably had ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the career that he could have had. Right, he maximized right. his potential. He, he did everything he could to be the very best player that he could be. Now, people could argue about whether the version of that player is to their liking, is the style of player that was their preference, was um, the, the that played the type of basketball that they want to see a player play, right? Those are opinions and aesthetics and... Um, whatever, but you can never fault him for not putting everything he had into being the best possible version of what he saw as his North Star, right? Mm -hmm. And and you can't follow anybody else's North Star. No, you can't. It didn't matter that people didn't. No. that people didn't like if they didn't like it. It wasn't theirs to like. Well, it doesn't. To the one of the probably best compliments that you could give Kobe is he didn't care anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Like he he probably just couldn't give two dams about what anyone thought about it. Like not even Phil Jackson. <laughs> 
right? Like, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, like, right, like, right, like, there's this idea. The of, hubris of that. By the way, like, only Kobe could walk into a team with fucking Phil Jackson, or no, Phil came later. But, but all of that, like, with Shaq and Jerry Buss, Jerry West is the man as the GM, Magic, and be like, no, 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 no. Like, and that was the whole time. People wanted Kobe to acquiesce. They wanted him to be the version of him that they wanted, and Kobe never gave in to that. Not once. That's why him going out shooting 50 shots, damn right he went out shooting 50 shots, right? And he was always him and he always honored who he was. Yeah, and I don't want to be like, oh, the results speak for themselves, guy, but guess what? The results speak for themselves. You, You know, like I said this or I've written this, but sports are decided on the scoreboard. Like that's where sports are decided, right? And this dude was on the right side of the scoreboard way more often than he was on the wrong side. And that's in the regular mm. season. That's in random all-star games. That's in the playoffs. And it was in the fucking NBA finals. Right. And, and bro, part of that was his leadership. Like what the inspiration that he gave us, he gave the men next to him. Right. Does Pau Gasol do what he did in game seven of the 2010 NBA finals without Kobe's influence? Pau would be the first person to tell you no. That's why Pau and Lamar, these guys loved him. They lost a brother because he, that was the inspiration, right? And it was the strength and the like teaching you like, no, go for it, go for it, be strong and pursue. Um, I'm sorry, sorry to interject there, but just like, like, None of that, like the winning, he was so misunderstood by the national narrative and, and like he, he led, he was a leader because he honored himself. That's all you can do. So this brings me to a point that I wanted to bring, bring up, and I'm glad that I'm going to try to bridge the gap here with this is one of the things that Kobe did throughout his career that I found both astonishing and admirable was the continuing evolution that he had as a player, both from a technical stand standpoint and from that idea of leadership, right? And so from a young player who was sort of this Michael Jordan acolyte, um, who was, you know, tough-minded and someone who was going to be ultra hard on all of his teammates almost all of the time because that was the only way that he knew to that player then who who feuded with his other superstar teammate and who potentially even cost his team in NBA finals based off of like the style and approach that he took to the basketball game and that specific series to a guy who tried to then do it all by himself to a certain extent and did not trust his team teammates to then someone who embraced his teammates and brought them in and and was truly the glue, right? And so a guy like Derek Fisher or Lamar Odom, they deserve all of their credit that they would surely get from Kobe if he were here to give it to them. But from all of those other people who were on those those teams to sort of speak to the togetherness that they inspired in in that group. But Kobe was the tip of that spear. He was yeah. the one 
who set the mantra and the mindset for that group. And there is not that inclusivity within those championship teams in 2009 and 2010, or even on the finals run team in 2008, without him understanding what it took and the evolution that he had as a player to get there. And then, and then in the later part of his career, look at all of these young players who he took under his wing, right? All of those lottery ridden seasons that you and I say unkind things about behind the Mm -hmm. scenes, right? But all (laughs) of those players that he brought under his wing and tried to get to understand the approach that was needed. And all the players around the league, the Giannis's, the Kevin Durant's, the go up and down the list, right? And, and, and he was doing it now with like the generation of children, right? Who were the peers of, of his kids and offering mm-hmm. that as a mentor from a coach's role, but also mm-hmm. still doing it with current NBA players right. um, with his Mamba Sports Academy and everything that he was doing to sort of pass on what he had learned over the course of his his career. Now, think back 25 years. Would you imagine this cocky, headstrong <laughs> Kobe Bryant ultimately being the father figure, big brother, mentor, you know, soft side with, I'm sure some firmness mixed in there Mm -hmm. as well to, to, to sort of both velvet glove and, you know, break out the steel glove as well. Sometimes idea of I'm going to help you now Mm -hmm. be the best version of yourself, help you, right? Not, not demean you or browbeat you into trying to be that person, but to extend the olive branch, to bring you in, to offer tips, to do all of those, those, those things. Think of, think of the growth and the growing up that had to occur within this person. And those are the things that our legacy, right? When you talk about legacy, those are the things that I think of as much as any of the accolades and accomplishments that he achieved as a professional athlete. The it's that inspiration again is again is the common thread throughout so many of these stories, but his individual growth over the 25 years in which we've known him is remarkable and also indicative of the self-confidence that he had. Um, I, I think that's how he arrives at that destination of being the the old sage, the wise man that everyone went to. Um, Draymond Green shared a great story uh, when asked about this yesterday and about, about Kobe's death of after the 2016 finals, Draymond said that's when he was at his lowest. And it wasn't just because Golden State lost, but between the refs and the media and just the general narrative about him, he felt like everybody was coming after him, right? And he gets called from Kobe Bryant, somebody who knows a little bit about everybody coming after you and being under the microscope. And and he tells Draymond, according to Draymond, that, you know, 99.9% of people are happy with mediocrity. 
at, at the most, right? Like sometimes less than that, but it, you know, mediocrity is, is the cap for a lot of people. And he said, how could you possibly, with what you're trying to do, how could people possibly understand you? How could they possibly understand what you're striving for and what you're achieving? Kobe set his own standards that were higher than anybody else's. And as a result, it didn't matter what anybody else said about him. And but that also gave him a certain authority to have gone through the fire and forged a a sort of his own, right? Like uh, of who he was and to be able to tell that to other people with a degree of authority that even other players could not. And what was always, it, it, it came with that authority because his work ethic was unimpeachable, whether it was his greatest admirers or his enemies and people who disliked him. Um, that, that work ethic combined in his later years with what I think was truly caring about people and wanting to give back. Um, I One of my great regrets now is I, I always want to shake his hand. Um, I wanted to, I didn't want an autograph or a picture with him or anything. I just wanted to tell him like, you, uh, you changed me for the better. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sad. I'll never get that chance now, but he also knew, uh, I, I asked people yesterday to send me, you know, any and every Kobe story that you have. I wasn't looking for content. I wasn't looking for like tributes that people put together or anything. Tell me a story. And so many of them had me cracking up because it's like one of it's people sharing memories of theirs that they will remember for the rest of their lives yeah. and talking about how rattled they were when they saw like, Oh shit, that's Kobe. You know, and yeah. just like the, the, and like Kobe kind of laughing and like letting them have a moment to kind of relax and like take it all in and then, and then engage with them. Yeah. It's, right? it's like seeing Sasquatch, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Out, out in the wild, like, well, yo, that's Kobe. You know, you go to Disneyland all the time. A few people had stories about that, but like what struck me about that was like Kobe when he went out in public that was that happened multiple times a day so like he was meeting people and this is true of any big celebrity but it was somebody like that who belonged to a city but also was the world uh, was a global icon yeah um somebody like that in, inspires just a certain degree of awe that that others do not that uh you know, Kobe had days full of blowing people's minds. And what do you do with that? Do you get to, like me personally? That might sound cool for a day, but if every time I went outside, people were like, oh, oh shit, oh shit, it's Pete. Like I, I, I wouldn't go out anymore. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, it'd and be so the hermit film room. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, it already kind of <laughs> is, but it would be, it would be bad. Um, so the he he relished that ability to inspire. That is something that we're robbed of for whatever remaining years he had in his natural life that really feels like a profound, profound loss. Um, but he lives on in so many people in a way that this is not just eulogizing somebody beyond their actual impact, but like the the Mamba mentality that the the his example carries forth in so many players in the NBA, in countless Joes like you and I,
um, that just his impact is it's almost impossible to overstate. Beyond the NBA, man, and beyond yeah. regular people, like I guarantee you, watch watch Sports Center tonight and see how many NFL players from Media Day mm -hmm. have something to share about Kobe. Mm -hmm. uh, well, about Kobe, you already mentioned Diana Taurasi. Um, there's going to be countless, and I've seen countless college basketball players women college mm -hmm. basketball players um uh, sabrina ionescu who's amazing she was yeah she was in tears you know um djokovic um i saw him talking about him roger federer right there's all of these kobe and i'm i'm actually surprised that we didn't mention this earlier but one of the common things that i've heard and read about kobe is that sort of curiosity Right. And I think he had a curiosity in terms of what you saw with how he was um, expanding his reach as a retired athlete. I think you saw his curiosity in terms of how he performed as an NBA athlete. And I think you saw his curiosity with how he reached out to people in all other industries. Right. Like, I bet if you got in a room with Rob Palenka, he would probably tell you his idea behind these genius talk series mm -hmm. that he's doing <laughs> with I think about this all the time yes with well with the Lakers are inspired by Kobe Bryant right mm -hmm. and like there were I don't know how many stories I've heard over the last couple of days about Kobe Bryant cold calling John Williams the famous composer who ended up mm -hmm. writing the score for his dear basketball piece in which Kobe Bryant won an Oscar for like, come on, man, Kobe yeah. Bryant Oscar winner. Like, come on, man. What, uh, would, what would this dude have done if he had 40, 50 more years, man? No, I'm just, look, this, Fuck. The, the way, so I was talking to my wife yesterday and she said something that like really just, just hit my heart again because she said, you know, I can't believe he's gone. Yeah. And she said, I thought we were going to be seeing Kobe like we see Bill Russell. And, mm -hmm. you know, at some NBA finals game 30 years from now, sitting yeah. there on the sideline, you know, like gray beard, Kobe Bryant, you know, shaking the hands and offering encouragement and words of advice to that generation of players that were two or three generations removed from when he was the baddest MFR on the planet. And mm -hmm. when she said that, like, it just struck me how, like, we're not going to get to hear his Hall of Fame speech. We're not yeah. going to get to see his statue, him and his statue dedication at Staples Center. We're not going to see him up in the stands cheering Gianna at some UConn game in mm -hmm. six years, right? When maybe she's yeah. at the final four playing for a national championship. And there were all of these things that we will never get. And I don't say that as a fan, I don't say that as someone who is like super interested in the interpersonal life workings of Kobe Bryant. Right, I say right. this as someone who we lost someone so young. So yeah. like 
I look at myself in the mirror, like I said at the beginning of this pod, you know, we were born in the same year. Um, yeah. I can imagine what my wife would be going through, what my eight and six year old would would be going through right now if I went away, if I told her, hey, I'm driving down the street to go get some groceries and then I don't come back. And there is a human side of this and and I feel like that's where the grief just sort of compounds, right? And, and so people like you and me who have this close relationship with the game and what he meant to us as as a player that is stacked on top of i feel like the general empathy and just sadness that we feel for a person and all of those people who lost their lives and and i feel like so much of like the struggles that people have right now it's all of those things sort sort of combined and then when you do stack on top of that that it was kobe bryant kobe bryant yeah Yeah, man you know it's it's really something that um zach lowe said 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 this on on his pod but like this is one of those moments where it's going to be a before and after, right? There was before mm-hmm. this, like for the NBA, like I'm talking about for the NBA here, but there's going to be a before this and then after this. And after this, we don't know how things are going to change or how they'll be different, but that is the chasm. That is the hole that is now here in all of us in all of our hearts and as sort of this pillar of the modern league and we lost it we lost it Mm -hmm. on sunday and it's just i don't know man like for all the words that we've spilled right now there are still no words for that right so you are uh unfortunately experienced in loss and they're, they're more personal. And, you know, I, I am too, I'm fortunate. I, 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 my parents are still around and my, my brothers and sisters are my brother and, and both my sisters are, are okay. But what, um, like there are a lot of people that are like, what's next? Like, how yeah. do I, how do I get past this? It, do you have any, words of advice or wisdom for just like people coping with this law. And part of it's like, like I feel a guilt, like I never met the dude yeah, and he means so much to me, yeah. you know, um, I, that it, it's hard to reconcile that now I've, it's better than it was a couple of days ago. Um, but do you just have any guidance in just terms of how to go forward? Well, I'm first of all, I will say that, um, not everyone's grief is the same. Yeah. Right. Um, and so there is no blanket idea, right? That it's like, oh, this is the one path, right? Um, very similar to the comment we talked about earlier in terms of like following your North star, like we're all unique people. We all have, um, all kinds of other things that we deal with besides this thing that we're trying to deal with right now and how all of those things relate to each other, like matter, right? 
Um, if I had one piece of advice to give just in terms of grief in general is that a, it's okay to be sad, which I think sometimes people often will try to kick that sadness down the road a little bit. Kobe's also a guy that inspires that like, well, what would Kobe want? Kobe would fight through it and like, which is true, but it's also doesn't mean you don't process your emotions. Yeah. So I think that, you know, it's. It's okay to be sad. Um, I said this earlier today or last night as well that it's um that's oh it's also okay to be happy when you feel yeah. like you're like you're happy and there should be no guilt that comes from that. Um, the piece that I wrote for Silver Screen and Roll today, the the last like four forty percent of that piece is me rattling off some of the most wonderful memories I had of Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant. And uh, there's like YouTube links and all of these things, right? Like, uh, you know, um, the pass to run in 2007, the, um, over the, f- the over the shoulder flip pass to pow in 2009, that like the dunk over like, and so look, you're, you're a Laker fan. So you're going to nod all of you listening. I hope you're Lakers fans too, but some of these are just ingrained in, in people's memories. Right. And so when I say the dunk over Dwight, you know what I mean? When I say the dunk uh, over, when I say <laughs> I the dunk, years, yeah. when I say the dunk over Ben Wallace, you know what I mean? Uh, when I say the game winner over Phoenix in 2006, you know what I mean? When I say, remember when he tapped Alvin Gentry's backside, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh-huh. there is a whole career of those, man. And when I think about those, I smile and yeah. I'm happy. And those memories to me, they live forever in me. And one of the things that, that, in the aftermath of when my dad died and when the aftermath of when my brother died, I had so many good conversations, not with just my mom or my mm-hmm. sister-in-law, but with some random person who I had maybe met once or twice in my life who knew my dad or knew my brother, but talked to me about their experiences with those people that meant mm-hmm. so much to them as individuals that had nothing to do with me. And those memories, mm-hmm. those memories are ones that th- those aren't mine, but those are now shared. And, and yes. those make me smile. And talking about all of those times that were important to you for big reasons or for trivial reasons that brought you joy there's a reason why i don't like to call them funerals i like to call them a celebration of life right Mm -hmm. because because life is precious but the moments throughout your life that do have that impact we should celebrate those we should be happy yeah. about those. We should always cherish those moments as meaningful. And there's going to be a sadness that lingers from those two, because you know that the principal piece of some of those memories is now gone from us. Mm-hmm. But right. that does not change the fact that those things happened, that those things were real, and that those things are meaningful for you. And so you should clutch those things tight and 
and hold them, but don't hold them so tight that you're not willing to share those with other people because that matters. With, With Kobe passing on Sunday, and we're recording this on Tuesday, I... I feel in the last 48 hours that I have a more complete version of the picture of, of who Kobe was. And I'll never know all of it. Nobody knows anyone all the way. But um, it, the one thing I'm grateful for and that has helped me cope has been sharing the stories. And some of them are just like laughing, like Lou Williams tweeting that he threw everyone's shoe, everyone's Kobe's in the trash after getting blown out in Portland because they were too soft to wear the shoes. Like that shit's great. That stuff just like, man, I needed that laugh. You know what I mean? And those stories, they, they range from the touching to profoundly sad to inspiring to just funny. Um, but in, in totality, what I've learned these last couple of days is probably just scratching the surface of the degree to which he engaged individuals and the degree to which he cared about people in a way that so, so much of his story was painted as him. And he was cocky. God, he was cocky as shit. That that is given more of a pejorative than I think that like I think a lot of people, myself included, could maybe use a little more belief in themselves um, and and that I, I don't think that's a bad thing. But the the way he was portrayed it wouldn't have surprised me for him to just kind of be doing his own thing. And if he didn't stand to benefit from it, like, you know, making movies or or the books that he was looking to create that he was not particularly interested in it. But the common thread between like the children's stories, the dear basketball, the way he committed himself to work, the phone calls to Draymond Green, the work with Jason Tatum, the brotherhood of Lamar Odom and Pau Gasol, the, just the common thread through all of those. And I've said this a couple of times now is just inspiration. He wanted to inspire people and he succeeded with that beyond his beyond just comprehension and and what i've learned in those last 48 hours is the depth of that and the depth to with that to which that was real and not for the cameras and not just for his own benefit and i think that we are the 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 brothers the children however you want to put it of like his legacy lives on in us um and in I feel a compulsion to inspire too, right? And to be like, hey, you can do it too. Yeah. Like whatever it is for you, yeah. like fucking go for it. Yeah. Like, like believe in yourself, pursue it, and you might fail. You will not regret the attempt. And just that is his lasting legacy to me. And that won't ever go away. Did you see? Speaking of funny stories, did you see um, Gilbert Arenas' tribute today? No, or, he's, he's one, I've been looking forward to that his one. His no. comment. Hold on, let me look this up. Go ahead. So he posted this picture of him and Kobe in like a hallway and um, like some arena hallway, right? And and GA, Hibachi himself basically said that he's like, I'm going to fulfill on the ask that you made basically during this conversation 
basically he said you're wasting all this natural talent bullshit on social media <laughs> you know you should put some of these smarts into coaching so he said right. so he said i'm, I'm gonna, gonna do it i'm gonna do I it just looked <laughs> I just looked at this how he said, you told me to use my bright basketball mind on some form of coaching. Stop wasting it being an idiot on social media. <laughs> so this fucking guy. Right. So like <laughs> when you talk about sort of the interested people and sort of that connective tissue that he seemed to have um, yeah, yeah. in in all walks of life with his enormous reach. Um, those are the things when getting back to the ask that you had of me about like coping and dealing, you know, things like that, man, like I think about all of the impact and all of the, and all of the ways that the ones who we've loved, who we've lost mattered to us and you take those lessons and you carry them forward in respect for those people and in respect for yourself. And it doesn't make the hurt go away. It doesn't mean that you care any less tomorrow than you cared the day before or the day before that. And there'll be a day a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, where you'll probably have a certain thought and you'll just be sad. Yeah. You'll just be sad. And again, it's okay to feel that. It's also okay to say, I'm going to now turn that around and I'm going to try to take the next step forward because the people who are gone are the wind at my sails. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's the tribute that we give to those people. And it's... It's, it's really the only way that I've known how. That may not be what works for everyone. It may not work for anyone else. But when you're asking me about me, there it is. I just want to add one thing to that. Is that it's, there's a degree of taking care of each other. Yeah. Especially in this Lakers community that ties so many other communities together and galvanizes us. That, um not only just in times like these where we're all grieving, that's been a, you know, I, I've been really worried about people. Like there's, I've got a friend who's really had a really tough year personally. Um, it, it split up with his wife and he was going through a hard time anyway. And Kobe was his hero. Um, so losing Kobe in that context, yeah, like it, is tough and can send people to stuff like that can send people who are already having a hard time sure. to dark places. It is, um, it is our responsibility to take care of each other. This is, this world's so hard. Like there's so many things. I, I look at politics and uh, different things that happen in, in, you know, both the environment in business that just like I spin, I, I've got a burner account right on Twitter. It's got like eight followers and it's glorious. And I just talk about politics and I, I am on political Twitter and just like, I spend all day just being like, man, this, this is a fucked up world. Like this is just such a fucked up place. And there's like a hopelessness that can come with it. That can like help you feel that you can feel defeated. That's really what it's about. Um, and, and both Kobe's relentlessness 
and the community that he galvanized, we have a, resp- a responsibility to just connect with each other in the same way that Kobe would reach out and be like, hey, yeah. how you doing? Like, you just had this surgery. You just had this like thing happen to you that was bad. That's that's when he was reaching out to these people, right? That's the commonality between Paul George and Gordon Hayward and even Draymond Green, who didn't experience an injury, but he was just down. He was just low on himself. That's when Kobe was reaching out to these guys. And then when they were feeling better, it was about the work. So he was giving them pep talks when they were down and he was helping them learn what to work on and how to work when they were feeling up to it. That is how we need to treat each other. And I hope that with Zach Lowe's saying that there's a this is a before and after, I hope that there's some of that in just the Lakers and basketball community in general, that we just have a responsibility to take care of each other in such a difficult world. We've got something that has rallied us around the same thing. Um, and, and we could just use a little more kindness and cooperation in, in a, a world that's just, there's so little of that, of, of like people giving a shit about other people. Yeah. And I would just say too, like, that's a good way for i think you and i both to say to all of the people out there who have like reached out to us like jumped in our mentions jumped in our dms sent a random text um called um thank you to you people right to all of you because um and i would say too that it doesn't even need to be hard times right the world and I've said this um, a bunch in conversations with with my wife. Like we've we work full time jobs. We've got two kids. Like I do, I write about the Lakers like on the side and watch all these basketball games. And the world moves fast, and life moves fast. Um, yeah. And it's easy to sort of get caught up in the day to day of your own world, and not necessarily remember that there's this whole other world out there that has ties to you too that matter and i don't know how many times someone has like reached out to me just randomly who i haven't heard from in like a long time and it's just like like hey how's it going and like that's just like nice it's just nice like i don't need to have had lost my brother or had you know some like tragedy happen or even have a bad day at work it could be the lakers just won they just routed this team and then you get some random text like hey how are things going like oh shit things are great thanks for asking Uh right yeah And, and so like more interpersonal connection i feel like with the people who matter to you in your life is important i remember you and i had had some conversations um after you had had some of your health scare stuff and and you had sort of talked talked about this rededication of of reaching out and um reestablishing some of those connections with people where the distance now isn't quite what you would want right mm-hmm. and i know that that's mm-hmm. um that's an up and down process for all of us right and we're not always as good as we'd like to be about those those things even when we say we're going to try to be better right sure but i think trying is a good thing and if there's one lesson from kobe 
if we're going to put a bow on on any of this, it's that trying sometimes is the only thing, right? Yeah, because it's all you have control over, man. You you know, and and succeed or fail, give it a try. And if you succeed, that's fantastic. And if you fail, well, guess what? There's probably a lesson to be learned there so that the next that's time right. that you try, you've got a little bit more experience to maybe have a better outcome the next time. And that that's not such a bad thing. That it's it's an intersection between self-confidence, but also a pursuit of truth, meaning that if and this is something that is very, very, very hard to fight against. But all of us have a very strong compulsion to be like, we were right. Whatever it is that we're talking about, arguing about, um, working on, we want to have been right all along. But pursuing truth is far superior than being right because it helps you the next time. Yeah. It helps you be right the next time, right? So even if being right is all that matters to you, be be capable of saying I was wrong. And the way that ties to Kobe is there were all of these failures in his career in which he kept going, but he also took lessons from that. This is, and like a lot of stuff is not this esoteric magic trick that we make it out to be. For example, I could talk about making videos. There were all, there are all of these different steps to making the types of videos that I make. There's the downloading of the footage, the chopping of the footage, the sorting it, the pattern recognition, then the editing components, the dissolves, the graphic overlays, the arrows that point this direction, the spotlight, this and that. Every single one of those components are something that I learned to do where I looked at my video and I'm still in the process of this and I will forever be in the process of this, of being like, I think that could be a little bit better. I was not right. I was, I did not do this well enough. And it's not a linear thing where you're constantly getting better. I still have my bad bits of content that I put out there that I'm like, hey, that could have been better than it was. But that was Kobe, right? That was why he was by himself in a gym working on his cuts, on his footwork for two hours at a time without even a basketball, yeah. just pretending to, ha to have a basketball. It was, I lose to the Celtics in 2008. Like, what needs to happen to improve? What do I need to work on? So I would say say this too, and I don't want to go too far down, down this road that you can get content if you want to discuss stuff, stuff like this from a variety of other places, but not just professional failures with Kobe, but personal failures, right? Real personal failures, right? Um, Colorado issues with his wife falling out with his parents. Um, remember when he was suspended for using like a homophobic slur against a referee, mm -hmm. right? Um, Kobe was no saint. He was no angel. Um, he was someone with human flaws and someone who doesn't need to be propped up for an hour and a half as some all-knowing, all-perfect person, right? That's not who, who he was. What I will say, though, about all of those situations is that he did use those failures, those personal failures, as ways to recognize where he could and should be better, and then took steps 
and efforts to try to actually be better for them. And, you know, all of those things are lessons that just in real life, man, like we should all be taking those types of lessons to heart right? Not just like, oh, the work ethic and doing everything you can in your professional life to be the best version of yourself in order to achieve success. And, and you, you know, like we're going to put out the best podcast we can the next time. And the next article I write is going to be great. And I'm going to go over this with a fine tooth comb. No, you know, how about tomorrow? I'm going to show more patience with my eight-year-old. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and and I'm going to do the dishes before my wife asks me. And I'm, you, you, like, there are, those are little things, right? Like, I'm, 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 like, I'm not trying to compare those things to, to some of the stuff that I laid out earlier about Kobe and like personal failures. But I'm just saying, like, in, in our everyday lives, there are always ways for us to sort of look in the mirror and, what are we doing? How can we do it better? And it speaks to the same sort of points that you were making earlier about like taking care of each other, right? As, as a community. Well, that matters not only within the context of like a Lakers community who is grieving right now or your personal community who may be having their own issues, but like in these micro communities of like yourself and like trying to be the best version of yourself that you can be for the people who you know matter the most to you. And, and when you talked about sort of the lessons that we learn in, in death, um, that's one of them for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I think, um, Kobe will, you know, be a part of this podcast and, uh, and, and just this, uh, this is not just a before and after date for the NBA, but also for the Lakers and for Laker fandom. Um, but I, I think um, this is at least chapter one of, I, I think, what we have to say about Kobe. I um, I will carry him in my heart um, for the rest of my life. And the, the lessons that I learned from him um, – and, and that I continue to learn from hearing more stories about him. I am forever grateful. I would not be the person that I am. Um, I would not have LFR um, and, and just everything that that's given me in, without him helping to mold me as the person. And I, I, I keep saying that inspiration is the common thread through everything. And there's, there's no one that feels that more personally than, than I do. That's, um, you know, he's, he, he formulated so much of my mentality. I'm, I'm so grateful. Um, so I guess we'll leave it at that for now. You've been listening to Laker film room podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.